Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. I am Rich Newnham and my co-host is with me, of course, is Mr. Henry Salmon. And that's my front doorbell that's just gone and ruined that take. So give me a second. (laughs) You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. You're listening to myself, Rich Newnham, and I have my co-host as always, Mr. Henry Salmon. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, very well. Thank you, Rich. I'm still here thinking about spring. Spring is good. Well, you are looking very ready to go in your uh, cycling gear. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm not sure that I actually will go, but it's one of those things which is a a very big part of my life, and anytime I can get on a mountain bike, I will be on one, so... It probably will happen this evening. Probably. When you popped up, I'd assumed that you might have already been out, but then you're not coated in mud. So yeah, <laughs> you clearly hadn't. That is a, um, a giveaway, especially around here. I, I, if if you, anyone knows the southern parts of the UK in winter and early spring, it's a mud bath out there wherever you go. So I'm normally having to hose myself off before I get back in the house, uh, much to my, my wife's displeasure. So... Yeah, you can definitely see that I haven't been cycling at the moment, put it that way. Well, if you didn't, it would be even more to her displeasure. And I can't imagine <laughs> wanting to be on the uh, on the wrong end of, of Lizzie being angry about mud in the house. Not worth it. Just just not <laughs> worth it. Fair enough. How are you doing? You well? I'm good. I'm good. It's been sunny for the last few days, even though it's supposed to be grand miserable for the entire week. So that has put me in an excellent mood. And also some nice fun with friends, even when it's virtual. So we caught up. Watched England smash the mighty San Marino on Thursday night with a with a couple of beers, which was lovely. Exactly, yeah. Good way to spend an evening. Yeah. Looking forward to next week's relaxation, hopefully, of the rules about having a few more people together in groups outside, of course, which would be nice. Yeah, it'll be interesting. This podcast actually has been a bit of a historical record of the pandemic <laughs> lockdowns. As have all the other hundreds of thousands of podcasts that have sprung up during this period. <laughs> yeah, we're way more important though, so... Oh yeah, of course. We should talk music, because that is what you folks are here to listen to, I assume, unless you just prefer us rabbiting on about nonsense outside of the music. It's your turn, it's your turn to do one, and you said you weren't going to do a guitarzy band, and then you brought a guitarzy band anyway. Um, well, yeah, kind of. Uh, I've I've actually not quite bought a guitar band. I've bought Metric, who sit right in the middle ground between electronica and guitar, kind of indie noise. Yep. And I bought them because they are a brilliant example, in my view, of that crossover music done very well. Yeah, and I think the timing with Metric is the key one because they were one of the first more mainstream moments that weren't ever really hugely mainstream, although I think that's probably different if you were a Canadian, which is where they're from. They are one of the early wave of bands doing indie pop rock crossed with 80s synth. Yeah, and I'm a complete sucker for it. And it's not it's not big, it's not clever. <laughs> It's the kind of music that will leave some people cold, and I don't care because I love it. Um, the, the album that I've picked uh, out of their back catalogue is Synthetica, which is a great example of that kind of music. But to be honest, mm-hmm. all of their music is is pretty similar. 
to the point where Metric actually, they're on record as saying they don't want to change. And some a lot of bands that we talk about try to change their style and go to explore new areas um, of... Uh, I guess of their range and metric just say no look we've we've got our fan base we know what we like and we just want to deliver that to to our fans which is quite a cool way to be yeah and I was I guess slightly surprised when you said you wanted to do Synthetica because personally I prefer one of their earlier albums but then I had more and more of a listen to Synthetica and it's grown on me and I think I like it more than I thought I would but it's it's more poppy and mainstream sounding I think than fantasies and I think that's what put me off initially but actually I think there's echoes of some of the other Canadian bands that you're a big fan of in the sound of this particular album yeah well if you look at back into their past and actually the the way they work they don't just record as metrics so Emily Haynes also records with a band called Broken Social Scene who are another canadian kind of super group and broken social scene are they're much cooler than metric i think (laughs) broken social scene are the kind of band where if if we went to the guys at pitchfork and they said you need to do a a review of a band and these two were on the table they'd go don't do metric talk about broken social scene because they're this kind of a little bit more eclectic um much more guitar based band Right there, you've nailed exactly what it is that I hate about Pitchfork. And I love a lot of (laughs) stuff about Pitchfork, but my one massive bugbear with Pitchfork is the fact that you'll have an album that's very enjoyable, really listenable, but quite mainstream sounding and not particularly inventive. And they'll give it like three out of 10, even though actually it's a really enjoyable album. And I can't, I'm going to look it up while we talk and find out what they gave this album because I bet they scored it poorly. Yeah, well, let, let, let's find out. But while you do some looking, let me give you a bit of a background into Metric, who are from Toronto, and they formed in 98. And it started just with Emily Haynes um, and James Shaw, who are uh, Emily's the singer. And obviously she sings with Broken Social Scenes. She's done a lot of solo work as mm-hmm. well. But the two of them met, got on well, and then moved to New York. And it's cool. They moved into this kind of loft warehouse thing which was a big old space and they ended up being roommates with like the AAS and tv on the radio and and loads of other bands it was must have been a really weird little bubble to be in but they started meeting like-minded people there and then from there they started recording um they brought in josh winstead and jules scott key their bassist and their drummer and really from 2000 onwards that's where they became metric properly and they ended up getting a record deal, I think, in the UK. And then they came back to the States and got a record deal there as well. And that's where they kicked off. And they've got quite the back catalogue. There's seven records in there. Yeah, and their early stuff is it's quite cool. It's quite punky. And they originally toured with punk groups. Okay. So they've got that swagger about them, which is... Not that common with other synth bands, I guess. So they were doing live shows with punk bands and they would walk along with their keyboards coming into the room and, you know, the, the punk crowd would be like, who are you? But it kind of worked for them. And and they've got this kind of punky attitude as well. It's like, we know what we're doing. We're making a metric record. If you don't like us, then then just leave us alone. Um, <laughs> there's a quote from Emily Haynes and it just says, I'm, I'm not really interested in shaking everyone's hand. I, I don't have to kiss everyone's ass. And it's this kind of... 
slightly rebelling against the system kind of attitude. Yeah, and I think there's lyrically a more punk attitude, even if the music doesn't necessarily sound that punky. Yeah, totally. Um, All the way through their songs, they do talk about that attitude. And to the point where they were talking to, um, I think it was U2's manager, at a similar time, they they must have been... I don't think they would have been touring together, but they would. They bumped into um, this guy, and he said, um, "He said I re- really respects that you guys have been going up against the system because they didn't want to go to the record labels. They've they've, they've done all their work themselves. Mm-hmm. They're self-produced still now, so they've got their own label. Uh, but he said, if you think those record labels are scary, wait until you have to deal with Apple and Google, and then you'll you'll see what kind of really <laughs> sc- scary organisations are like. Yeah, and just purely talking about their kind of that punk side you're very right and i'm just thinking about it that so things like the start of gold guns girls has this like punk-ish guitar riff intro and then you get this synth thing coming in to sort of soften the edges of it but it definitely has some of those elements like they understand it even if they don't use it all the time yeah uh, and so from their early stuff so their, their first album was released in 2003 but since then, they've matured their sound a little bit. So I guess the metric that most people know of really kind of hit the mainstream with their album Fantasies in 2009, yep. which is kind of where I picked up on them. Mm-hmm. And um, Fantasies is their most successful album. It won like Juno Award up in Canada. It went platinum. It, it was big in the charts in the States. Um, and this was all done without a label, which is pretty impressive i mean they just they rejected the idea of being controlled Mm -hmm. Uh, they said this is how we want to make our music very different to the other bands we've been talking about where some have been led a little yeah and these guys just haven't they've just said this is this is how we want to make our music i do wonder whether it helps when you're releasing stuff as semi-side project where you've already got an established band where you're fairly big and you can make some money out of that and you know that if you if you do a tour as broken social scene you'll make a chunk of money you almost don't need to worry quite so much about the commercial success and that allows you to then be more creative in terms of what you really want to do yeah a lot of their interviews do talk about the commercial side of things and how there's almost a frustration in there there's this like you know we're a well-known band we're not making that much money and it's a little bit of a I don't know. They do seem a little bit distant in some interviews, and I can kind of understand that. You know, they're they're big. They're well, they're well known. Mm-hmm. They've done brilliantly for themselves. But uh, I think the days of huge wealth from from bands has gone, and they've they've probably not really kind of financially done done as well as many. I disagree with you a little bit there, but only in terms of I think there is a very very large amount of money to be made if you're someone that's willing to play the system and go along with what the system wants, if you're someone True. that wants to have your own creativity and your own your own voice, you've got to be very lucky in terms of that voice being what the system wants at the point in time when you're doing that. Fair. That's fair. Now, I've gone on and said all this, <laughs> while, and bang in the middle of just when they're becoming famous, <laughs> they released the theme to one of the Twilight films. <laughs> <laughs> in, um, so, um, so yeah, yeah, 
come on, you guys. Uh, he's totally sold out. If you don't know, I think this is... The Twilight films are what? They were this, like, teen vampire movie. However, <laughs> the, the song's called Eclipse. Go and listen to Eclipse. It is an absolute cracker of a song. Really, really good. And it really displays some of Metric's finer points, which is this kind of really good vocals, really nice harmonies, nice keys. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely song, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. The trouble is that <laughs> the, the only way you'll know about it is if you know about Twilight, So, and now I do. <laughs> and I've been reading about Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, so yeah, now, now I know all about this stuff as well. Um, anyway. Was that a heavy part of the research for this? <laughs> Thankfully not, no. <laughs> okay, so then we've got Synthetica, which is the album that you really wanted to focus in on. Yep. Tell us a bit about that in terms of the sound and the background to it. It's they're probably their most, you, you called it earlier, their most poppy. Mm-hmm. It's the most cohesive, like there's the most good songs. So Fantasies has some cracking songs in it, but Synthetica as an album is is better. But one of the main reasons for picking it was because of why they wrote it. And the reason for writing it was because they wanted to talk about the digital age and how the digital age has taken over from analog in the days when they were putting CDs in envelopes and mailing them to fans with notes in. And that's that's all gone. You don't do that anymore. But there was a quote from Emily Haynes again where she said, synthetic is about staying at home and wanting to crawl out of your skin from the lack of external stimulation, which kind of fits in with lockdown. But the, the point of <laughs> right. everyone's kind of at home plugged into a machine and it's about yeah how life's changed a lot well you've only got to look at the the song titles to see some of those themes so there's breathing underwater dreams so real the void clone youth without youth there's a lot of that life being sucked out or drowned as a theme yeah and it's so the reason i think this album just clicks so well with me is that it came out in 2012 and for me I was I'd moved out of London by then and you're starting to do the whole settling down thing you're not going out every night and just throwing up in a hedge at three in the morning not every night not every night just like Tuesdays but yeah there's quotes like in in dreams so real I'll, I'll shut up and carry on the screen becomes a yawn and it's like it's that slight maturing of a band and I guess you know I think Haynes is 47 now, so they're, they're not spring chickens. They're, they're growing up too. And a lot of it's quite reflective. And I love the, the coming together of their slightly punky attitudes, the synths, the cold face of Metric with this singing, which is quite detached, mm-hmm. plus this reflection in the lyrics. And all of that comes together really nicely in this album. Detached is a really good way of describing the lyrics in this because they are vocally strong but yeah there is that just not that excited or i don't know how to put it you said it right detached is correct what he said absolutely (laughs) but this is what will piss people off i think about metric i think if people new to the band listen to this album they might find it just cold they might just not really get it and get them and and i love it i love the way that it's a bit like the pet shop boys did this when they used to sing their songs and the kind of 80s electronica music that you had this vocal which was very almost robotic and it didn't pack a load of emotion in and some people like that and I like it 
but some people find that very difficult to engage with. Yeah, well, when we discussed which album you wanted to talk about here, because you were kind of between the two of Fantasies and this album, and I'd not really listened to this album. I don't think I'd even noticed it as a thing. I, I think for me, Metric was Fantasies, and I hadn't really paid attention to anything outside of that. So I had a listen, and my initial response to you was, it just sounds a bit like sub gold frap yeah and i think that might be the vocal detachment that both those bands share along with the synth heavy side of things but there's more there as well the more i listen to it the more i'm hearing things like elastica in some of the guitar work and some of the some of the less detached vocals so i think uh, synthetica itself thought of elastica once i had the album on a few times round the first time when i was really paying attention to it rather than just having it on in the background i was like oh this sounds like not necessarily elastica maybe republica like those yeah yeah mid-90s female punk indie bands yeah you know what republica were the first ever live band i saw ever really nice was that was at glastonbury in 97 and they were i staggered up to the main stage and they were playing and I don't know who the lead singer was, but she had like red hair and a Union Jack kind of mini skirt. It was amazing. <laughs> when you're like, six, what, 16? Yeah. 15, 16, 16? Yeah. Fantastic. I can imagine that being quite the uh, quite the moment. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. And um, you're right. They do have a very similar kind of almost electric guitar sound. So maybe it's, I've known about this kind of music for a long time and enjoyed it. And I think the thing for me with this was that because, like you say, it's very poppy on the surface, and so I'd almost gone, eh, it's just it's just a poppier version of fantasies, and it's got some influences from bands that I that I love, but it's not it's not as punchy as Goldfrapp's later stuff. It's not as punk as Elastica and Republica. It's sort of a bit in the middle. But the more I listen to it, the more you peel back the layers and you get sucked in. I never think of poppy albums as being growers as an album. This is a massive grower. This really grew on me and I, I, I'm genuinely really enjoying it now. I will go and listen to this over the next couple of weeks, not because I have to because we're researching for a podcast, but because I want to. And I'm I'm really glad we even come across it because it was buried in my back catalogue. I haven't thought about Metric for a while and then I listened to it and and this is where we are talking about earlier about metric and and their fans and their fans are a bit of a hardcore bunch purely because i think they know what they want right this kind of music will appeal a lot to a a group of people and so i think this album does it yeah okay so talk to us about tracks which tracks should people get into to get the most out of this album so the first one artificial nocturne is is great it starts off really kind of slowly and builds the opening lyric if I'm I'm just as fucked up as they say is just, just lodges itself in your in your head and you kind of get an inkling of where the album's going. That's a great track. And then one of my favourites, Speed the Collapse. Ah, oh, yes. Which is what, about three songs in? And it's got this this wonderful um refrain in the chorus where she sings Fate Don't Fail Me Now. And I love that. I, I love I love it. This pleading to the universe to say, "Come on, <laughs> look after me. I'm I'm in trouble." This track, the drumming and space themed guitar sound, made me think of Muse. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, actually. It's got that kind of epic build going on that Muse do really well and the dramatic, huge dramatic thing that you get in their later albums. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. But to be honest, the, the next few tracks are all good. Dream So Real, I've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. It's a slightly slower, slower song. But one thing that Metric do well is when they want to is drop into this slower style, like with Eclipse mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier. And Emily Haynes does some solo work where all of that is much more piano-based and much slower. So if you kind of like the slower slide of Metric, go and check out her solo albums because those are a little bit more chilled. Got a track or two from hers that you can recommend? Yeah, there are quite a few on Choir of the Mind, Okay, which is her album from 2017. That's Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton, which is, her, I guess, her backing band. Start with Planets. It's a good way to open it. I will go and check that out because I don't think I've listened to any of her solo work in, in the past. Going back to Dream So Real, I think this was the track that put me in mind of Goldfrap because it's got that filthy synth thing that they do really well. Yeah, it does. And then if you go into the next track, which is Lost Kitten, that's got a really Goldfrappy bass line. I, I don't know whether I like it so much. I think you said this earlier when we were chatting of kind of sub-Goldfrap and it, it does bring to mind that kind of dirgy bass, which... I don't know. Uh, some people like it. I'm, I'm not such a fan. I don't dislike it as a track. I think my issue is that Goldfrap have released a handful of absolutely incredible albums, so I don't need more of that. If I want that stuff, I'll go and listen to their stuff. I prefer Metric doing Metric things rather than Metric sounding like someone but not as good. Yeah. I'll finish not with The Wonderlust, which has got Lou Reed on, but take it or leave it. I, I like Lou Reed, but I don't think it works. So I'm not going to finish on that that song. There's a song called Clone, mm-hmm. which is what? Coming up to the end of the album. Ah, I love this track so much. If, if I took a best of albums of the last 10 years, this is on it. It's got this incredible, simple style and the lyric of it's too late in the day to take you on all the rides. It and she says we're already in the aftermath later in the song it's this kind of amazing way of reflecting back on where you are in life and it's this staring you in the face and saying you're too old for some stuff now <laughs> and it's, it's a wonderful way of just <laughs> just confronting you and which you know, we can all relate to <laughs> i think everyone can relate to exactly um if you can't lucky you because yeah. um you'll get there you'll get there in the end but th- this song is a wonderful one. It's that kind of, you're coming home on a, from a night out with this music in your ears and this song will save you up pretty quickly. But <laughs> it's a, it's it's an absolute classic and it's, it is slower, but it's my favourite track on the album. It's another brilliant example of a song that sounds very pretty and uplifting, but actually you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, beautiful track. So that's the album. It, it comes in at... 43 minutes so it's it, it's not massively long and i don't know it, it's one where you listen to it all the way through and, and i think it really it really stands up and some critics you read some of the reviews and i, I don't know if you found out what that pitchfork score was but it's not going to be a 10 surprisingly <laughs> high oh, really yeah i was genuinely surprised it came in at a seven wow. which i thought they'd be more in the kind of four or fives range yeah me too you never know with Pitchfork. Sometimes someone who actually likes that style of music gets to do a review and then it's a bit higher. Yeah. I think generally with, with Metric, 
they don't get a hard time, but they just have a very a very defined space mm-hmm. in the kind of musical spectrum, and they will keep playing in that space. And every new metric album that comes out, you kind of know what it's going to be. So I can understand that people just say, "Oh, it's another metric album." But if you like that stuff, then you're going to be happy. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on from talking about their music specifically, I do want to call out the first three tracks on Fantasies of Help I'm Alive, Sick Muse and Satellite Mind, which are absolutely brilliant. And anyone who's not heard of Metric at all, I think that's a really good introduction to them as a band. Yeah, Give Me Sympathy as well on that album is an absolute belter. Yeah. This album actually is probably got individually songs that are better. I just don't think it holds together so much as a as an album in in total but yeah another good album fair enough i mean you know metric better than i do so i I will take your word on that given that i am getting to know synthetica more and more over time and having dismissed it a bit originally i'm now yeah more open to it yeah so in terms of the rest of their back catalogue the more recent stuff have you listened to the more recent albums yeah I have wanted to like them. Pagans in Vegas is rubbish. Um, <laughs> to just just let it go. Okay. Art of Doubt gets back on track a little bit. It's still not as good as these ones, but I like it. One thing they are doing, though, is uh, re-releasing some of their older songs, but just on piano singing. And that is going down really, really well. So if you go onto their um, Spotify and find all the Dirt Road versions of, of their songs... Some of those are wonderful because you've got some originally very poppy, synthy, noisy songs and they've just gone super quiet on them. And yeah, like Empty is is brilliant. Now or Never, now brilliant. Those are some really lovely tracks that are coming out of lockdown, I guess. And they're worth a listen if you like some, some of the slower piano balladry, I guess. Cool. All right, so in terms of the influential side of metric as a band where do they sit for you yeah they massively got me into that style of music and you you touched on it earlier this new wave of bands who are doing the kind of synth 80s indie noise so bands like Mm -hmm. churches uh, to be honest i could have gone for churches when we were talking about this stuff because they're they're amazing fantagram as well I just love these kind of bands that can bring together that electronic style and that indie style and just do it well. Yeah. What about you? Have you, uh, did, I mean, when did you get into Medrip? So really, I only got into Fantasies and that would have been around 2009, 10 when it came out. I was traveling in Croatia I think in 0809 and met a Canadian who is a massive metric fan. And so I ended up listening to their stuff, but then sort of lost sight of them. But absolutely for me, they were that band that more than just did the electronic indie crossover. Cause I'd already been getting into bands that did that. It was bringing in that eighties aesthetic to the music that I hadn't really heard in indie music. And I, I never really liked the 80s synth thing back then because my parents didn't like it and I think that rubbed off on me. Mm. But I think the way that it's done from this period is much more 
independent than the 80s mainstream that was happening at the time that felt quite overly produced. That's a really good way of looking at it. The point of it being the aesthetic, but not actually, it's not 80s music. You won't listen to this and go, oh, that sounds like the 80s. Yeah. But it's that style of music where you've got electronica merged with vocals, which are kind of clean cut and almost, yeah, impersonal. Yeah. And so the same as you, they brought me into bands like Churches, who I think are probably the biggest mainstream example of a band that are really at that point of indie and 80s, but also really well known. And they've done arena tours. I saw them at Crystal Palace and they were wonderful. They almost have taken a lead from bands like Metric. And I don't know whether they're a direct influence on Churches, but they certainly were maybe five years after Metric. And so that that path has already been blazed. Yeah, I, I would have... I would have gone for churches actually because I love I love some of their music. Um, I love a lot of their music, but because of what you said, Metric were kind of in their first and doing this five years before. I think we'll probably talk about churches at some point. But yes, Good. I like Metric a lot. Have you seen them live? No, and that's a little bit annoying because I think they would be great live. And actually, when you see them interviewed, they focus on their live music more than their records so they always say that they're always watching in their live performances for responses so they've mm-hmm. they've supported a lot of bands and they still support some really big acts now they don't have this kind of ego that says oh i'm not going to be a support to anyone so mm-hmm. they supported the smashing pumpkins um i think they supported the stones on one of their tours so they they're quite happy on the undercard and they'll watch the audience to work out how their their songs are, are being played so they're they do have a good live presence, and I'm annoyed that I haven't seen them. <laughs> have you Have you ever bumped into them? No, I I don't remember having seen them, so it may be that I've seen them at a festival or something, but they're not one that has stuck in the mind. So I'd like to think I haven't seen them, because if I have, they weren't memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen them live. Again, I'd like to. I think they're that kind of band similar to... I mean, having seen Churches live... If you've got a band that can perform that style live, you get so much energy coming in from the crowd. And I'd expect them to be one of those bands that, as you say, they've done support acts for very, very big bands. So they're used to playing massive arenas. But in Canada, I'd assume that they are a massive headliner for Canadian festivals, Canadian arena tours, that kind of stuff. Because they're massive there. Yes. Yeah, they're huge. I mentioned it before, they went platinum with fantasies. Um, I, I, I don't know how their other albums have done, but I assume pretty damn well. Yeah, you think so? So yeah, I'm sure they'd be top of the bill in a, in a lot of Canadian festivals. Absolutely. Our Canadian listeners will be very happy. Yeah, well, I am too, because I think they're great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know whether I mentioned this to you, but we have apparently got a bunch of American listeners. So if you're one of our American listeners, hello, hi. Let us know who you are. Come and chat to us. We're on all the social medias, as we sometimes mention. We are I Might Be Wrong UK on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you if you are someone out in the States that, that has been listening to our podcast and don't actually know who the hell we are. Come and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've done a pretty good balance, actually, of um, British and American bands so far. So let's try and keep that going. Well, you're always going to talk about all the Canadian bands and we've not even scratched the surface there. I know. Uh, well, yeah. 
I don't think it's on purpose, but I just, I like their style. So um, I'm going to keep talking about them. Yeah, that's fair. All right, cool. Thanks for joining us again. Cheers, Henry. It's been fun. I like Metric. I'm happy that you've introduced me to more of their stuff. Yes, and I'm happy that I got to re-listen to all their albums again. They've disappeared and now they've come back into my life and I'll be listening to them quite a lot more. Cool. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.